Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 194. And every time I would slide into the seat there, I would say to myself, every mile of memory, and then I'd hit the throttle. So, This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Thomas Bryant. Thomas, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely, I am, Mark. All right, great to have you here. Thomas Bryant spent 36 years working at Bond Parkhurst CBS Hachette as an editor in various positions. He started as a junior editorial assistant on the magazine Pickup, Van, and Four-Wheel Drive that was just getting started in 1972. He later moved to Road and Track as an associate editor, and then in 1986, he became an editor of Road and Track Specials, a magazine that focused on exotic cars from around the world. And then two years later, he was promoted to editor-in-chief of Road and Track Magazine, where he had always longed to be. And he remained there for 20 years until his retirement in the summer of 2008. Thomas, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles? I'd be happy to, Mark. I uh, went through college and got a bachelor's and a master's degree in political science, uh, planning to become a foreign service officer with the Department of State which I did achieve, and I lasted two years and uh, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and uh, decided that actually this was not the career I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So I resigned from that, moved back to Santa Barbara, which is my hometown. Beautiful. And uh, went back to work in radio as a disc jockey. Wow. And then as a newscaster for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And and then, for some reason, I picked up the phone one day and I called Road and Track office in Newport Beach, California, and said, um, "My name is Thomas Bryant, and I'm in the radio business in Santa Barbara. But I've read Road and Track for years and years, and if there's ever a chance for an opening, I'd love to be there." <laughs> Wonderful. 
Well, within a week, I got a letter from James T. Crow, who was the editor of Road and Track. Oh, yeah. And he was shifting away from Road and Track to start Pickup Van and Four-Wheel Drive magazine because he got hooked on the off-road stuff. Okay. So he sent me a letter and said, well, we're starting a new magazine. We need, you know, a person. And uh, if if you could give us a quick answer, we'd love to have you, or words to that effect. I have the letter still framed on my wall here. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I drove down there. We sat in his office for about two and a half, three hours. And he said, well, if you want the job, it's yours. Nice. Uh, so I started out as just a very low person on the totem pole at what we called PV4, pickup van and four-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. The man who was the editor was a great off-road guy and desert rat and engineer and all of that. And he lasted uh, living in Newport Beach for a little over a year. And then he said, you know, I just can't take this anymore. I got to go back to the desert. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Mr. Crow then made me the editor of PV4. Jeez. Oh, uh, wow. In a very short period of time. Yes. He seemed to think that I had some qualities. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, so I did that for uh, a while. And then I the Bonds asked me to come over to Road and Track from pickup van and four-wheel drive, and I did. And then, um, as you had mentioned in the in the beginning, Mark, I I created the idea of Road and Track uh, specials mm -hmm. because uh, I thought that there was a great opportunity for us to do magazines devoted particularly to exotic cars. Oh yeah, and that was what we did. And uh, so that went on for two years. And then Mrs. Bond, who was the publisher still at that point, even though the magazines were owned by a chef, asked me to take over as the editor of Road and Track. And who would turn that down? Of course, of course. Man, <laughs> dream. So it sounds very fortuitous. You were in the right place at the right time. You reached out. And uh, just kudos to you. It's just fantastic. What a fun career. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote, and this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Thomas, take the wheel. Well, it filled my heart with a lot of uh, uh, just wonderful creativity. My oldest brother had brought home road and track when I was about 11 years old and I would pick it up after him and think wow I've never seen cars like this you know <laughs> and uh, so I kind of got hooked on it as, as a as a kid really when the opportunity came about I don't when I just made up my mind that I should at least ask for a job there and then I got one mm -hmm. I was just astonished and uh Mr. Crow, Jim Crow, who was a very, very dear friend of mine and uh, absolute editor of uh, anything with expertise, he had a slogan and I, I picked it up and I still use it today, every mile of memory. I believe in that and that's the way I felt about doing Road and Track magazine. 
Because we got to, you know, we got to get in everybody else's cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and have some fun behind the wheel. Go driving all up and down, you know, wherever, and whether it's in California or Italy or England or no matter. Yeah, every mile of memory. Fantastic. And every time I would slide into the seat there, I would say to myself, every mile of memory, and then I'd hit the throttle. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow, how fantastic. Well, you talked about enjoying cars when you were younger, but could you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? If you can remember that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Well, I'll tell you, it was it was sort of off off uh, off the uh, line that I was looking for. But my first car, my dad had three sons, and he's told each of us that he would buy us our first car, uh, not at any great shakes of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. My first car was a 1929 Model A Ford Coupe. Wow. It was on a used car lot in Santa Barbara, and we got it for $75. <laughs> and it ran, yeah. but it was shabby, and uh, the story was, and I believed it, that it had belonged to a farmer in Lompoc area, and he had used it as a farm car. And uh, so it was, you know, it didn't look good, and the paint was bad and everything else, but it did run. Yeah. So my whole family pitched in, my dad and my mom and myself and my brother. We kind of redid the car, and we, we painted it ourselves, and my mom did, you know, corduroy fabric around the interior so on and so forth and it was my first car and I you know I really enjoyed it my brother who was a year older than I was though he came home one day and he had an MGTD and I thought wow that's really neat yeah so I said can I drive it and he said well (laughs) with me for a few rides and then we'll see you know Got my first ticket driving that car. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then um, he kept it for a couple of years, and then he, I don't know, I ended up with a Pontiac, mm-hmm. and he got an Austin Healey 100. Ah, he liked the British cars. He did, and he let me drive them sporadically. You yeah. Know, when, when he was going to be working at, at his job or something, I might get an hour in the car. So that was really, you know, my automotive journey into the whole thing was every time I got... And then my oldest brother, when he came back to California after having been in the Air Force, he bought a Jaguar XK120, and I got to drive that once or twice. Nice. So you can tell, Mark, by then I was hooked. Yeah, I think so. Well, Thomas, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Life is fraught with challenges and failures, and I'd love for you to share one with our listeners that affected you. But the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame that situation. And even more important, what did you learn from it? One of the biggest things that happened as I was going along in the automotive arena, there was um, I had been enjoying pickup van and four-wheel drive. Um, You know, Jim Crow and I did the Baja 1000 in the first Jeep Cherokee. Oh, my gosh. Wow. There were a lot of things about it that that I really enjoyed, and I spent a lot of time 
with him going down to Baja and driving through, you know, arroyos and over hills and dales and all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But deep down inside, you know, two blocks away from where we were officed was the road and track office. And every day I would go by there and see all kinds of really special sports cars. Yeah. And so eventually when the opportunity came along, I just jumped at the chance, you know, to go over there. And then I got to drive the cars and go on the test trips and so on and so forth. So it was it was just an enormous dream come true for somebody who just really loved these cars. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story with us. When you had an aha moment in your career, one of those times when you realized that an idea was really a good one it was going to make it and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success well i tell you you know the one that that really stands out for me was when i was on had moved on to the standard road and track uh staff mm-hmm. and then i became the editor i somehow got it in my brain that we would see occasionally these exotic cars in California, you know, as as we all saw. And um, it dawned on me that we should, quite frankly, go to Europe and put together a plan for world's fastest cars, a cover story on road and track. Mm. The good part of that was Phil Hill, the uh, first American driving champion and yes. was a very good friend of ours um, and and he wrote pieces for us and he went on trips with us and all of that and I approached him about it and he said well that sounds great and he said but you know we need another driver and I said well the other driver I think should be Paul Frere who was our European editor mm-hmm. and he had raced at Le Mans and all kinds of other places. Oh, yeah. And was a, a spectacular gentleman. So, and he also had the inns with Volkswagen Porsche. So <laughs> <laughs> I called Paul and I spoke to him about it and I told him that Phil was in for it and we'd like him to be the other driver. And, and where could we do this? And he said, well, he said, we should go to Volkswagen Porsche because they have a place called Era Lassine, which has an enormous oval track. Mm. So that's where we went. And, you know, we did that world's fastest car story, not every year, but probably every 18 to 20 months, if there were sufficient cars coming out. Mm-hmm. And... uh these two gentlemen continued to drive them each time, and they were. It was, it was a story that everybody just loved. I mean, it, you just thought to yourself, you know, here's Phil Hill and here's Paul Frere, and each of them are driving the same cars, and they're doing everything up to two hundred eleven miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, wow. Like that and you know, <laughs> it was really. I just thought. Boy, that was one of my dreams come true. So yeah. a lot of people enjoyed it. Absolutely. <laughs> Me being one of them. How about proudest moments? I'm sure you've had many in your illustrative career. Is there one that stands out, though, that 
you really like to share with us? Well, one of my proudest moments actually <laughs> had nothing to do with me. I was at a uh, a Ferrari meeting in America. The president of Ferrari, Luca de Montezemolo, had come over, and he had gathered, you know, said, oh, let's get some American journalists together, and we'll talk about the new cars that are coming. And I was sitting right across from him at a table, and we were all in a sort of a, in a restaurant that wasn't open. And uh, he was saying to me, you know, so you're from Road and Track. And I said, yes, I am. Uh, I'm very proud of it. And he said, well, he said, you know, I don't want to insult all of your colleagues here, but Road and Track is my favorite because when I went to graduate school in New York, it was the only place I could get stories about Formula One. Oh, and wonderful. I, I just beamed. I just thought, you know, the rest of you guys are... Yep, you know. <laughs> a bunch of hacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, what a great story. I love what that. A great, what a great thing for him to say in front of them to me. You yes, know? Just yeah. Thought, wow. Yeah, very Perfect. special. Great, thanks for sharing that. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Not so much your first car, because you talked about that Model A, but what was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you had with that vehicle with us. Well, I'll tell you, Mark. I bought Alfa Romeo Spider actually before I went to work at Road and Track, and then uh, I didn't have it for very long. It started to give me trouble and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, But then uh, later I had an Alfa Romeo SS, which was the, the coupe with a very sort of rocket body on it. Uh, I, I can't describe it very well. And I had that for a while. And then when I was on the magazine down in Newport Beach and uh, in 19, late 1972, in the Los Angeles Times classified ad section, I found a 300 SL Mercedes-Benz Roadster for Ooh. sale on a used car lot in Santa Monica for $3,500. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I drove to Santa Monica. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I bought the car. And yeah. I drove it back, and I, I kept it for a year. And then, unfortunately, a divorce had happened and so on and so forth. And, and I had to sell the car. Yeah. So having owned it for a year and having driven it out to my, my oldest brother's house way out in the desert, which was what I loved to do with it every weekend, mm -hmm. I sold it, put it on an ad in the paper for $4,500. <laughs> this, this man came down from Los Angeles and he said, okay, he said, here's the money. He had it in cash. I said, well... You know, it's it's a nice car. And he said, yeah, I said, it is a nice one. And he said, I can fix it up, though, because I have three other ones. <laughs> mm. Wow, wow. Well, very special cars. You know, that Alfa Romeo, the Sprint Speciale, yes. the SS, a beautiful car. And yes, very rocket-like in its appearance. But, uh, oh, that Mercedes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm almost afraid then. I think I have the answer to this next question. Seller's remorse. Is there a car you let go that you really wish you could have back in your garage? That one. That one, yeah. I, I yeah. Yeah. I'm so I, long for a 300 SL Roadster. But. 
Yeah. They're all out of my price range. Oh, they've just gotten crazy. And I, I got to drive one a while back. And I think what stood out in my mind was for a car that, and I think it was a 58 or 59. Yeah. For a car that was that old, it sure drove like a modern car. It is just rock solid. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you got to spend some time with it. So that makes it pretty special. Well, I did. And then fortunately, you know, there's a... Uh, activity that goes on in Europe every year with the Mila Milia uh, rally. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I had two opportunities to drive a 300 SL going. And, oh, and wow. The last time I drove, I drove a Jaguar C-Type in the Mila Milia rally. So nice. I got my kicks out of these cars, you know, for a thousand miles around Italy, and uh, what what a great thing to do. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what a dream come true. Sounds absolutely fantastic. How about current projects? Is there anything you're working on these days that really has you excited and fired up? Well, I have just, the over the last year, I, I did a book uh, for Motorbooks International called Mazda MX-5 Miata, 25 years. Nice. And uh, it came out in, uh, I think, November or December. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess it's selling pretty well, but uh, I really enjoyed, I'd never written a book before, and this was uh, this was a great opportunity for me to dig in. And, and the good part about it uh, was I also had a close relationship for years and years and years with Bob Hall, who was, quite frankly, the American who came up with the idea that Mazda should do a sports car, and he did a little sketch for them. Mm-hmm. And then um, Mark Jordan, who was a designer, I worked with him a lot on the book, and uh, we just had a great time because we all had been around when it was being talked about and kicked around and so on and so forth. There's just a lot of great stories about how the, the American group in, in Irvine, California, where Mazda is Mazda USA, they had their, you know, their small group of design and everything, engineering people. And then, uh, Mazda decided they needed a contest, so they had the Hiroshima group put together their aspect of what they thought a sports car should be, and the Tokyo group do theirs, and the Irvine, California group do theirs. Wonderful. Obviously, the Irvine group will now. Yeah. Well, I've got a copy of that book. It's a great book. You did a wonderful job on it, and uh, it's so much fun, and yeah, you think about Mazda, and now it's thought of, you know, Mazda Zoom Zoom, you know, with their ad yeah. campaigns and so <laughs> forth. But yeah, before then, you didn't really think of them as a sports car company, but that car has come such a long way, and I've had so many guests on Cars Yeah that are big fans of Mazda Miata. So now here's a very introspective question for you, Thomas. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I would have to be a sports car because... I love driving sports cars because you drive them not, I mean, you may drive them because you have to go to work or you have to go to your school or, you know, whatever. But the reality of the thrill of having a sports car is Saturday morning, you get up, you put your clothes on, you jump in the car and you say, I'm out of here, you know, and you, whether you're driving into the mountains or the desert or 
wherever, you're doing it because you're driving something that that comes right back to you through the steering wheel and the pedals and everything else. Sure. And, uh, I just, you know, that that's really the focus. Perfect. Perfect. I kind of thought you'd say that. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so, Thomas, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free Filler Up book today at Cars Yeah. All right, Thomas, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy what you love. Uh, Yes, I've heard that before, and it certainly rings true. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over these years? I think it's honoring the readers and giving the staff once I become the editor-in-chief, giving the staff members each a chance to succeed because everybody who worked on Road and Track um, when I was there and uh, for 36 years was passionate about the magazine and the cars that were involved in the magazine. And I felt like every one of them had the opportunity and should have the opportunity to write a report on, you know, a Ferrari or a Mercedes or a Porsche or whatever, because that that got them going with enormous excitement. I know you've probably read thousands of books and you probably have a huge automotive library, but if you could narrow it down to one for the Cars Yeah listeners. Well, I actually, if you don't mind, Mark, I have two right here on oh, my desk. perfect. Okay. One of, the, one of them is The Man that I think has been in the last half century the best automotive writer is Peter Egan. Ah, yes. Uh, who was with us at Road and Track for years and years. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, Peter Egan wrote a book called Side Glances that was a lot of stories that Peter has this incredible ability to take you and make you feel like, you're holding the wrench while he's talking about the car, you know. It's just, he's so good about that. And then the other book is a very large book, and it's called Ferrari. Mm. And it says, Stories from Those Who Lived the Legend. And it was by John Lamb. John Lamb worked with us for years and years and years and is a great friend of mine and and a terrific photographer and writer. And, you know, the on the cover of that book, it, it lists the stories of who lived the legend, from Phil Hill to Sam Posey to Brian Redmond to Carol Shaw. I mean, all, everybody who ever drove a Ferrari is in that book. Wow. So I think both of those are just outstanding literature. Fantastic resources. I'll remind the listeners, you can find links to these resources Thomas has shared with us at com slash Thomas. Bryant. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars, Thomas? Oh, yeah. Um, I love to play golf when the weather is right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 
<laughs> yes, you're up here in the Northwest with me, and definitely the weather. <laughs> we're we're two Southern California boys, so uh, transplanted to the wet Northwest. So yes, it can be a challenge. <laughs> exactly, but uh, no, I love to do that. I still love to drive. I mean, you know, we, uh, my wife and I, have for quite a number of years have had a '48 Ford Woody wagon. Nice, and it's uh, here in our garage. It doesn't get out much in the winter. But, uh, you know, it's it's a wonderful car to just go roaming around in. All right, Thomas, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, you can have whatever you'd like today because I'm going to buy it for you. What would that vehicle be and why? You know, I, I've thought about that uh, over the years and, you know, when I... I drove the first Lamborghini Countach in America many years ago. Ooh. Got a ticket out just <laughs> from the highway patrol. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, have driven a lot of, you know, Jaguars and Bentleys and uh, Maseratis and Ferraris and so on and so forth. But for some strange reason, you know, my heart just keeps going back to the 300 SL Roadster. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I I can't get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. They are absolutely spectacular in so many ways. So, uh, well, if you could have that car, what color would you want it to be? Silver. Silver. Okay. Classic silver. How about the interior? Uh, it was red. Red, okay. And I liked it that way. Yep, very classic. My my daily driver right now is a BMW (laughs) M3 that's silver with a red interior. I love that combination. Terrific. Very cool. Thomas, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed your stories and spending some time with you. Could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 300 SL Roadster? Well, I think that, you know, to me... Cars are are so much more than just transportation. They are something that I long for and that I want to be in because I love the way it works and the way it drives and the way it handles and the way it does everything. And I think, to me, that's that's exactly what everybody who wants to be a car enthusiast should look for is you get into and out of, you know, unfortunately, when you work at a magazine, you get in and out of every car. Sure. But, you know, every now and then you sit down in one and you just say, wow, this is excellent. This you is know? me. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're retired, but is there a way for our listeners to communicate with you? Are you active in social media or do you have any kind of a website? Or I don't really have a website. As I said earlier, I, I did this book on the Mazda Miata, mm-hmm. but uh, right now I'm I'm just kind of fancy free. Fancy free, good for you. Okay, no worries there. You know, if if somebody wants to send an email or something, I do have I do have a uh, email address. And okay, well, I can put that on your show notes page for people to reach out to you and talk with you. I mean, so you've touched so many lives over the years. With your involvement with Road and Track and all the magazines, I'm sure people might want to uh, just send you well wishes at the very least. So we'll do that. All right. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Thomas has been so kind to share with me today here at carsyad.com slash Thomas Bryant. Just put Thomas in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up. 
Thank you, Thomas, for being so generous with your time and your expertise per day. I hope he didn't keep you off the golf course. We have a little bit of sun shining here in the Northwest today in the <laughs> middle of February, but I want to thank you for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. It's been great fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.